Thank you for joining our broadcast today at City Life Church. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry to change your life. So please take a moment to send us your story at info at citylifechurch.cc. And if God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially to help us to bring God's word to other people. You can go to our website at citylifechurch.cc to find the giving options that work best for you. We've got an encouraging word for you, and we pray that you lean in and engage as we head into the auditorium for today's message. Several years ago, when I was pastoring in the Orlando, Florida area, I was invited to the nation of Zambia on the continent of Africa to to preach a national convention for the ministers there in the Church of God. It was my first time to Africa, and boy, I was excited. I got on the plane, and 25 hours later, I was in Zambia. Well, I was exhausted, but it was exciting. After a couple of days of rest, we had the opportunity to do the minister's meeting, and it was wonderful to be able to fellowship with our African brothers and sisters and to experience what the Lord had for that season of time. It was truly one of the highlights of my life. After the minister's meeting was over, however, I, I got to do something that I'd always wanted to do, and that was to take a mini African safari see all the wildlife. You know, I grew up watching these things on National Geographic and all of those, those kinds of programs, but now I had the opportunity to go out in one of these uh, safari uh, trucks and go out into the bush and to see uh, all these wonderful animals that God has created. And it was exciting. I saw the giraffes and the rhinoceroses, and I saw some snakes that were bigger than any of us would really want to know about. <laughs> I even saw some termite hills that were taller than my head, and I know none of us like that. But one of the most amazing animals that I saw there was a a small deer-like animal called the African impala. The African impala is about two feet high, and it has some short horns, and and it runs fast. You know, it, it's like the speed of light. You know, when they, when they take off in a herd, they, they run so fast. And they're very small animals. But one of the things about the African impala that is so interesting is that these small animals can leap 10 feet high. And when they're running, they can jump some 30 feet in the air forward. 10 feet high and 30 feet forward. And I watched them jump and and move along in that way. And I was amazed at just how athletic and how gifted these African impalas were. While we were on that tour, however, the the, uh, tour guide said, you know, these animals are so gifted and they can can, uh, scale almost any obstacle and get away from almost anything. But if you go to the zoo, you'll find that the African impalas are in enclosed structures of, with walls only about three feet high. Now, these animals can jump 10 feet high. They can, they can clear a span of 30 feet, but they are held captive in walls uh, that are only three feet high. And the guide said the reason for that is because if the African impala cannot see where they, their feet will land, they will not jump. If they can't see with their eyes where it is that they're going to land when they jump out into the air, they will never jump at all. And so though they have the physical and the the, uh, uh, instinctual capabilities of getting out of those barriers at any time, but because they cannot see it, they don't believe it, and they stay captive behind walls that could never hold them back otherwise. I wonder how often that happens to you and to me. 
I wonder how often it is that we allow the circumstances of life to crowd and to cloud our vision so much so that we won't jump past the barriers of life and truly fulfill the destiny that God has for our lives. It might be financial barriers. It might be relationship barriers. It might be barriers of change or the, the social political barriers of our time. It could be just about anything that can keep us from seeing where it is that God wants us to go and holding us captive in a false prison. Today, I want to share with you, my brothers, that God doesn't want that for you. God doesn't want that for me. God doesn't want us to be caged by three-foot walls when we have the capability to jump to unlimited heights. God doesn't want us behind false barriers when he has designed us to go forward and to do great things for him. So what you and I have to do is we have to make a determination today to not be held back by things that were never intended to hold us back. And to move forward when God calls us forward into the great unknown. As believers, as sons and daughters of God, we're called to elevate our faith, to raise it up to the degree that we're able to scale these barriers and to accomplish what it is that God has called us to accomplish. This is what I believe Jude talks about in this one chapter book of the Bible. If you found it in Jude verses 17 through 25, I want to read these verses to you. It says, but dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. Somebody could say amen right there. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Verse 20. But you, dear friends, you, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Verse 22. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them to others. Show mercy mixed with fear-hating, even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Verse 24. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. amen. That's a good place to say amen. amen. Verse 24, to him, who's he speaking of? He's speaking about God himself. To God who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. This is your destiny. This is what God is trying to accomplish in your life. He saved you for a purpose. He's lifted you out of the miry clay for a reason. And he has an eternal destiny for you, and he is well able to bring you there. He's powerful enough to hold you in the palm of his hands and to keep you from falling in this life. No matter what may come, no matter what comes against you, he is more than able. Amen. 
to bring you through it. Some of you are experiencing that right now. You're, you're, you're experiencing the undergirding of the supernatural grace of God who is supporting you and keeping you and holding you and propelling you forward into your life. Some of you have experienced it, and if you haven't yet, you shall experience it because that is the promise of God. But while we wait for that eternal destination, we have a job to do here. And that requires an elevation of our faith. Now, when we talk about faith as it does here in Jude, we're not talking about just confident belief. That's what we oftentimes think of when we're thinking about faith. You know, Hebrews tells us that that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. That's that's typically what we refer to when we think about faith, and that's certainly part of what he's talking about here. But he's also talking about the most holy faith, which is the the whole catalog of our of our uh, uh, belief system, what the doctrinal uh, commitments that Christ has given us, and the teachings that God has invested us, and in, the, the truth of the Word, the, all, everything that we call this 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 catalog of faith entitled Christianity or Christ followership. So when it says, build yourself up in the most holy faith, it's saying, build up your understanding of, your love for, your, uh, your dedication to, the faith that has been entrusted to you, all of this knowledge, all of this truth, all of this teaching, and build yourself up in your confident belief in God himself to perform what he has taught you. Now, Elevating our faith is not something that God can do for us. It requires something from us. Elevating our faith requires an investment on our part. I believe it's verse 20 that says, build yourselves up in the most holy faith. Now, some of us want God to do everything for us. And, you know... That's what you do when you're a small child, isn't it? As an infant, we are completely dependent upon those that are, that are caring for us. But as we grow and mature, we become more and more able to do some things for ourselves. Well, this is the way it's supposed to be in the faith. That as we grow in, our, in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and become more and more like him, we are to take on some of the responsibility of maturing in our faith, maturing in our relationship with God, building ourselves up in the most holy faith. If you look in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Peter talks about this. He says, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up somebody said I need to grow up so that I might grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good you see we are called commissioned we are invested with a spiritual DNA that that requires us to grow up in maturity in the faith that has been entrusted to us, both in our understanding of the word and our confident belief in it. This is what God's destiny for our lives is, and this is how we move past the obstacles in life. Someone once said that we must grip the faith, 
We must understand the faith, and we must present it clearly and vividly to ourselves. You have a responsibility to take hold of that which God has given you. And not just merely exist as an immature infant, always passively receiving, but taking hold of it with a firm grip and never letting it go, coming to a deeper understanding of it so that you might be able to recite the truths of God's word to yourself in the moments of your trouble and your trial. And I can tell you this, that if you will invest yourself in the faith, here's what will happen. When you're going through a difficult time, the word of God will begin to come forth out of your mouth. It will begin to reassure your mind in the quiet of the night. When you're laying on your pillow and your mind is racing and you say, oh God, I need you, immediately a scripture will come to your mind that'll quiet the worries of your heart. Hallelujah. But you have to invest yourself in it. It begins with the daily things that nobody else sees, rising in the morning or in the night or in the evening time and praying and, and, and investing yourself in devotional study. I mean, that sounds simple, doesn't it? We all know the, the, the recipe for the routine of spiritual growth and maturity. Pray and read your Bible. But how many times do we set it aside and leave it alone and invest ourselves in something else? This is what it takes in order to elevate your life. Some, sometimes we wonder how or, or why we're struggling the way we do and why we aren't able to advance the way that we want to. And I always have to check myself to see where is my investment level? If I invest a little, I can expect a little back. But if I invest a lot, guess what I'm going to expect? I'm going to expect a lot of return because I'm investing in the good ground of the kingdom of God. This is what we must do. The other thing that you should do, and I'm preaching a little bit to the choir today, is to be active in the participation of the local church. Because within the context of this community of faith, the Lord will challenge your faith and will build your faith. I love the group's uh, emphasis that you're pushing the, this morning and promoting this morning because it is within the context of small groups that real life, real relationship, and real ministry often takes place. It's where a lot of growth takes place. And I encourage you, if you're not involved in that, you should get involved in that because it will elevate your faith. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, it was he, meaning God, meaning Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, that's you, so that the body of Christ, that's you, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus. See, that's the way the local church works. God establishes leaders and brothers and sisters and puts them together so that we can work on one another in the faith. 
that we can exchange life with one another, and that God through his spirit can move through us to build one another up, to bring us into unity so that we can accomplish great things for the Lord. And it protects us. It protects us from all the strangeness that is in the world. Man, there's a lot of strangeness in the world today, isn't there? There's a lot of strangeness in the church some places. Being in a church like City Life protects you. It protects you from all of that strangeness. You get it on your own, the, the, the enemy of your soul will take hold of you and lead you down paths you never thought possible in your life. Stay connected. Stay connected to the body. Stay connected to your pastors. Stay connected to your leaders. Stay connected to one another. And as you do, here's what will happen. God will grow you up into him, into all things, into the fullness of Christ, who is the head of the church. Amen. Well, I got to move on. It requires an investment on your part, but elevating your faith also involves a partnership with the Holy Spirit. A partnership with the Holy Spirit. It says that we should pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Our faith is built up by praying in the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, Jesus promised that if we loved him, we would, we would keep his commandments and he would ask the Father and he would send to us another helper to be with us forever, even the spirit of truth. The promise of Christ is that if we will follow after him, he will send us his spirit and his spirit will help us. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I need all the help I can get. Some days I wonder if God's even enough help for me. <laughs> Thanks be to the Lord that his grace is sufficient. Amen. But I need the help of the Holy Spirit. And when I'm working to elevate my faith, I've got to have the partnership of the Holy Spirit in that. And he partners with us specifically in prayer. Now there's two dimensions here. When it says praying in the Holy Spirit... The first dimension is it means praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, praying with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, praying with the leading of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You know, when I'm praying, I always say, Lord, help me to pray the way you want me to pray. And I begin praying, I pray, let me pray according to your will, Lord. I don't want to pray in any, any other way. I don't want to pray selfish prayers. I don't want to pray misguided prayers. I want to pray the prayers that are going to impact my life and impact the people that I love and, and change the atmosphere of the community that I live in. This is the kind of prayer I want to pray. And so I need to pray in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And so I ask the Lord, let me pray the way you want me to pray, with your favor, with your fervor, and Lord, with your guidance. This is what praying in the Holy Spirit means. But there's another dimension to that. As Spirit-filled people, we believe that God gives us the supernatural ability by a gift of the Holy Spirit to speak in heavenly languages and to pray in ways that we can't pray in our own language. Thanks be to God for that. We have that gift that God gives to us that, that in moments when we don't know how to pray, we pray in the Spirit. We pray in a language that is born of heaven. And we're thankful for that because that prayer is a perfect alignment with the Spirit 
of God and the Father's heart. When you pray in the Spirit, you can't pray in a misguided way. When you pray in the Spirit, you're praying a direct, you're in a direct line to heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 tells us that when we pray in the Spirit, it edifies us. In other words, that's a word that means it builds us up. When you want to edify yourself, maybe you're feeling weak, or maybe you're struggling in an area, or maybe you're trying to overcome, you need to build yourself up in the most holy faith, then ask the Lord to help you to pray in the Spirit. And pray in the Spirit, and it will begin to unlock rivers of life on the inside of you. Not only will you get somewhere in praying through, you will get somewhere on the inside too. Amen? You'll get there. You'll get there. But we need this partnership of God. Acts 1.8 says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. That word power means dunamis. It's the supernatural ability of God. He wants to empower you supernaturally through his spirit to elevate your faith, to do the things he's called you to do, to meet every challenge to overcome every obstacle, to defend every attack that the enemy comes against you with, and to achieve the exploits that he's called you to. This is the promise and the help of God. But you've got to elevate your faith. You've got to engage. You've got to say, Holy Spirit, I'm open to the partnership. You know, believers, listen, you need to abandon self-reliance. I am a serial offender of trying to be self-reliant. I do it consistently. I have been a believer in Jesus Christ since I was four years old. I'll be 49 next month. So for 45 years, I've been following Christ. And every day, I have to say to myself, Clayton, you can't do it alone. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the help of God. You need the partnership of the Almighty. And the one way that I know to draw it in to my life is to commit myself to praying in the fervor of the Holy Spirit and in the language of the Holy Spirit and build myself up in the most holy faith. Can somebody say amen? amen. And then finally, elevating our faith is sustained by keeping ourselves in God's love. Keeping ourselves in God's love. You say, well, how in the world is that possible? I thought God's love was everywhere. He loved everyone, and I could never get away from the love of God. That is certainly true. God loves you, but are you in the love of God? Are you walking in the love of God? Are you walking with God? Are you appropriating the love of God in your life. Verse 21 here in Jude says, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. John 15 verse 9 says, as the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love, I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So he gives us the key here. How to keep ourselves in the love of God 
is to walk in obedience to the commands of God. When you invest yourself in learning the words of truth and you partner with the Holy Spirit, it's a lot easier to make the decision to walk on obedience to the words of God and the commands of God in your life. When you walk in obedience, you are walking in the love of God and you are aligning yourself perfectly with his will. And that is a prescription for favor. You want to appropriate the favor of God that he wants to give you? Keep yourself in his love. Walk in his commands. Align yourself with his will. And guess what will happen? The favor of God will rest on your life in an unprecedented way. God wants to favor you. He doesn't want to withhold one thing from you. The Word of God says He withholds nothing from those whom He loves. But we've got to keep ourselves in His love. That's a decision every single day. It's a decision to invest. It's a decision to partner. And it's a decision to keep. That's your decision to make. No one can make it for you. Your wonderful pastors can't make it for you. Your wonderful leaders can't make it for you. Your Christian friends can't make it for you. Your brothers and sisters in the Lord can't make it for you. Only you can make the decision to invest, to partner, and to keep while you wait on the mercy of God to bring you to eternal life. This is the key, brothers, to the victorious life. This is how you do it, sisters. This is how you escape the false barriers that the enemy places in front of you that keeps you from advancing into the life that God has for you. And while you're elevating your faith, there'll be a moment or two of waiting to experience everything that God has for you. So how do you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to show up. James 5, 7 tells us this. Be patient. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. How do you wait? Amen. Praise the Lord. He's coming soon. Amen. You wait patiently. He said, man, I don't have patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. You have it. You just have to exercise it. Patience is not passive, however. Patience is an active activity as you wait for the fulfillment of a promise. He references farmers. I'm from Southern Illinois originally. I grew up in the farmlands of, of Southeastern Illinois where they grow corn and soybeans. I drove, I learned to drive on gravel roads throwing, throwing clouds of dust up behind me while I was uh, trying my best to, to uh, run as fast as I could. Corn stalks above my head and soybeans as far as the eye could see. That's, that was how I grew up. I remember watching in the wintertime that the farmers would sometimes turn the, turn the soil over after the harvest to let the land kind of lay during the wintertime. And then when the springtime would come, they'd, they'd cultivate that, that soil and begin to plant their crops. 
and then they'd water them and they'd tend them. And all through the summer, they would be working to make sure that the crops had everything that they needed so that it would reach their desired fulfillment of harvest in the latter time of the year. All of that took patience because the farmer would love to plant the seed and have the crop immediately, but it doesn't work that way. So when he planted the seed, he knew that there was a process that needed to take place that's going to take that seed from that moment to the time when there's going to be a harvest six months later. And he had to be patient to wait from the beginning to the end. But all through that six-month period, he was doing some things. He was cultivating some things. He was pulling weeds and applying nutrients and doing everything that was necessary while he patiently waited for the fulfillment of the promise of the planted seed. That's how you wait. The seed is in your heart. The Word of God is here. The promise is yours. And now we wait for His fulfillment. But while we're waiting, there's some activity. There's some things we need to be doing. So this morning, I want to encourage you. Don't allow false barriers to hold back your supernatural destiny. God's given you something greater than that. So elevate your faith this morning. What is it that you're struggling to believe God for? What obstacle is crowding or clouding your vision? Let's pray. Let's ask God to show you something different than that. Lift your eyes to the hills from whence comes your help. Your help comes from the Lord. Let's pray together. Today, my brothers and my sisters are here, Lord, and I have shared your word. And I believe that today you want to do something in every one of their hearts. For, Lord, whether they have struggled or are struggling or shall struggle, this word of truth is for them and it's for me. I pray that today you would lift us into a new level of faith a new level of understanding of your word, of your teachings, of your promises, which are yes and amen to those who believe, and a new level of belief that we can have the confidence that what you have said shall come to pass. Lord, I pray that you would help us to invest, to partner, and Lord, to be patiently waiting. Now I pray for that brother today who is struggling mightily with his faith. The obstacles seem insurmountable. Today, brother, God is for you. God is with you. And God is going to help you. Take hold of this promise, this word, in faith right now and simply say, oh God, I need you. I believe you. And I will wait for you. I pray for my sister today who's facing challenges that seem like they'll never end. Today, sister, this word was for you. Take hold of it right now and say, Lord, I can't understand, but I believe. I don't know what's going on, but I know you. And my future is in your hands and I trust you with it. Help me, oh God. And I pray for this 
congregation of believers today, God, that this would be a place where there is an ever-increasing level of faith so that barriers fall like mountains are melting, like roads are being made straight. And Lord, that every single promise that you have for this body will come to pass in the days ahead. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you today. Elevate your faith. Thank you again for joining us for today's broadcast. Our prayer is that it ministered to you and it changed your life. If there's anything we can pray with you about or God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, please send us an email to info at citylifechurch.cc. We want to invite you to be our guest at one of our Sunday or Wednesday worship experiences. And you can find our times and locations on our website at citylifechurch.cc. You can also download our City Life Church app on your smartphones or tablets for more online messages. It was great having you with us today, and we'll see you next time.